0: to this episode of Sangley Witnesses where I speak to the Catholic behind the count, Tim speaking with Shannon Whip-Schmidt who's going to come on and share a little bit of information about um, her Catholic faith journey and also highlight some of her uh, sage wisdom um, as a Catholic who advocates for justice and as a uh, author of a book. So thank you for joining and sharing in the conversation.
1: Thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm excited. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. I wish this was one of those podcasts where we had like the book and we could say like, hey, here's a copy of the book looking into the camera. But one day we will get there. Um, But Shannon um, co-wrote Fat Luther Slim Pickens, a Black Catholic celebration of faith, tradition and diversity. And I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, faith information and contents that's within it as we progress in our interview. Uh, so let's get started with the conversation. The first question is always the same. Um, are you a cradle Catholic, revert, or convert to the Catholic Church and highlight um, and summarize your faith journey? How was it growing up, middle life to now?
1: So um, so I grew up, I'm a cradle Catholic. I was baptized as a probably a one month old, uh, and grew up. In the church and also grew up going to catholic schools my whole life as well so faith and catholicism in particular were an important part of my life um my parents are both cradle catholics grew up going to catholic school and um i come from you know big catholic families on both sides and so i i remember even like when i was younger there were like Jewish people, Muslim people, and Catholics. And that was it. Like, even, even though I knew Baptists and Lutherans and stuff, I was just like, well, they're Lutheran Catholic, right? Like, which makes me laugh now. But um, so that was my, you know, my ethos that I grew up in was just the life where um, the liturgical year was part of my everyday, you know, um, things I didn't like about the church, like, you know, having to go and kneel during the stations of the cross every Friday was at school, uh, was was just the norm. And um, in some ways, because of that, I didn't really understand what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like I I believed that God existed, I prayed, but I didn't really like understand what it meant to be a disciple. Um and I was an ordinary kid. I liked sports. I liked writing and reading. I loved to, um, you know, dance and draw pictures and all that sort of stuff. Um, and when I, was about 14 years old i got involved with our youth group because it was like the thing that you did after confirmation like i was a catholic and it was time to go to youth group because i had grown out of whatever you know um and along with that i really started to meet people for the first time who believed in jesus in a way that i didn't realize you could that they saw him as friends and they. um They really talked to him and studied the Bible and were figuring out what it meant to be disciples to follow after him. And I found that really attractive. And so I got more involved in my youth group. Uh, I went on a retreat when I was a freshman in high school that really gave me a chance to encounter Christ for the first time. And that was kind of it for me. Uh, I was so intrigued by who Jesus was that I was like, this is what I want and I'm going to follow it. I'm going to figure it out, uh, whatever comes next. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I was like the super youth group kid and did everything. Uh, And I went off to college and I just remember thinking, I want to be a youth minister because I thought like, if you loved God, that's what you did. You like went to be a youth minister. Uh, So, and I was kind of that kid who like, again, I loved, liked a lot of things. I was good at a lot of things, but I never felt that there was something that like like caught my attention. You know, I wasn't like a mathematician or really into science or whatever. And I decided to study theology I went off to college and uh, through some twists and turns eventually did become a youth minister, but, In reality, now looking back on that, I realized that it was my call, um, not only further in discipleship, but my call to ministry that I, um, I now work professionally for the church. And so it was really this call to, um, share my faith in a particular way with others. Uh, and for the past, oh, close, closing in on two decades, I've been working full time in ministry in the church. Um, And have had ups and downs in my relationship with the Lord throughout that. Um, Have tried to continue to be not only a good person, but someone who lives as Jesus lived. And through that, I I married my husband about 14 years ago. Uh, We have four kids. Our oldest child just turned 13. Our oldest son, which is crazy to have a teenager in our house. Uh, you know, I met his dad when I was about 15. So (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is is too much. You're not old enough. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I doubt we'll be in, in store for any weddings anytime soon, but, um, uh, and, um, you know, as an adult, my faith has changed. Um, I think it's a little less urgent. Uh, there's not quite as many highs, but also kind of like a good marriage. I have learned to love the Lord every day, and to not necessarily seek out like the emotional highs, but rather to say, who am I today? How am I following you today, Lord? What do you want me to do today? Um, And through that, God has brought me to many different things. You know, I worked in parish ministry for a long time. Um, Now I work for uh, in diocesan ministry, um, but also through that, um, I started to use my own gifts that I enjoyed. So I, I, I've always been a writer. I used to like blog back in the early aughts. I, I write uh, journals. I write for myself just for pleasure. Um, and as I got more experience in ministry, and also started really doing a lot more advocacy work. Um, that work that I did brought me into the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion, of doing uh, racial justice advocacy. I started writing more, um, got a couple of pieces like published in local Catholic newspapers or um, smaller online magazines and started a podcast called Plaid Skirts and Baked Black with my best friend, Marcia Lane McGee, who's also the co-author of our book. And we really just felt like there weren't a lot of spaces in Catholic media where Black voices were being heard, especially Black women. And so myself being biracial and Marcia being a Black woman, we said, like, well, let's just do it. Um, and, uh, and we felt that that was what the Lord was calling us to. So we started doing it uh, around 2018. And then, as you know, in 2020, some things happened in the world. Um, and people were really seeking out Black voices, especially Catholic spaces. Uh, spaces. And so uh, uh, we really had a real uptick in, in listeners and followers, all of those things. And through that, then, uh, we're invited by Ave Maria Press to write a book, this book that became Fat Luther Slim Puckin uh, to talk about our experience as Black Catholics and how we bring our culture to the practice of our faith. And now we do all that stuff. We continue to do all that stuff and, and be, uh, moms and, you know, friends and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and really ultimately it comes down to trying to live out our faith and trying to follow Jesus and responding to those calls when he put them in our lives.
0: Hey, thank you for sharing such a powerful story with a lot of, Influential parts and a lot of growth as a Catholic. Um, so, thank you. Um, so, you've been a cradle Catholic all your life. What's one piece of advice you would say to someone who's discerning the Catholic Church?
1: Uh, so, I would tell people to uh, I hate to say it this way, but to, to shop around a little bit. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, don't learn everything that you know about Catholicism from the internet or from books. Uh, go and be with Catholics, go to different parishes, um, figure out the the different ways that people live that out uh, through different ethnic identities and cultural identities, through different ways of celebrating the mass, through um, different sizes of Catholic churches. You know, you have small parishes and big ones. You have rural and city parishes and everything in between. Um, Go and find Catholics and be with them on all spectrums of opinions, on all spectrums of how we worship and celebrate, and try to find the common denominator between all of us, Uh, because you'll see the heart of the faith when you see how widely it is lived out in everyday life.
0: Thank you for sharing. I think that's a really wonderful piece of advice. And I don't think a lot of people would actually advocate people to shop around and to explore and get a fuller understanding of the faith. So that's a very unique perspective to um, extend. Um, So now we're going to transition and go from, you know, your personal side to more so like your passion for advocacy and talk a little bit about the book. Um, So before in your faith journey, you kind of highlighted what influenced you to write the book uh, with uh, Marcia. So what faith and life experiences influenced you to write uh, Fat Luther, Slim Pickens, a Black Catholic celebration of tradition, faith, and uh, diversity?
1: Um, So as I said, I've been Catholic most of my life and I've been like a professional Catholic as an adult very often. Um, But one thing that I've noticed um, in my own journey to like discovering my self-identity to figuring out who I am as a biracial woman in the world is how much culture influences the practice of our faith. And um, a lot of the work that I've done, especially advocacy work has been in, the, um, in that vein and trying to help people understand culture and how it impacts uh, ministry, how it impacts um, the way that we interact with each other. And so when we were asked to write the book, um, it was sort of along the lines of like, we need someone who will be willing to help people who are not Black step into Black culture and understand that. Um, and in some ways to do that through the lens of our shared Catholic faith, right? Um, we t- often talk as Catholics about going um from the universal to the particular. So taking those universal truths that we all believe and bringing them into our particular lives, our particular cultures. And in, in this sense, uh, the book in some ways was a way for us to go from the, um, to do that, right? To, to say, okay, you all know what baptism means. Let's talk about a piece of Black culture that will help you understand Black um black culture and baptism better so um that particular t- chapter right we talked about wash day what does it mean <laughs> to have to do your hair in a specific way and how does that relate to our baptism and what lessons can we learn from the culture um so that that grew out of uh again this response to that call that god had placed in both of our lives to share our cultural heritage and to talk about that um But in particular, as we were writing it, uh, the book is set up where we kind of have a, uh, it revolves around the liturgical year. So it's reflections on the liturgical year. And so not only my own experience of uh, figuring out my discipleship throughout the the church year and understanding the mystery of Christ better, um, but through that, then we each tell a, a story that's kind of related to the whole. And so... Many of my own faith stories, ways that God has worked in my life, are in that book. you know um, I think particularly about uh, the chapter since we're coming up on Lent, the chapter on Lent is kind of where we dive into um how slavery has impacted uh African Americans, especially us in particular and I tell the story of how um when I was twenty when I was in college i was contacted by some folks that at the time uh, we believed were our former enslavers, our family's former enslavers. Um, and that was really hard, like just to be confronted with that reality <laughs> um, as, a, as a like 20-something college student um, and to really wrestle with like, what does forgiveness mean? What does it mean to actually like follow after Jesus in the footsteps of the cross and to say, like Christ, to say, forgive them for they know not what they do? Um, and there are so many times, I think, as black folks in America, where um, what we believe as Christians what we know about who God is and our lived reality come into conflict and where God invites us into this radical way of living as he lived that seems from the outside to be unjust right um And, again, that's not to, like, let people off the hook when they do something that is wrong. But rather, you know, you look at someone like Dr. King, let's say, who spent his whole life uh, trying to overthrow systemic racism. And in the end, he was killed. And it sounds like, the story from the outside sounds like he lost. But I think what we brought to this book, what I brought to this book, especially for my own spiritual journey, is that self-identification as, a, as an African-American woman with the crucified Christ, that he is not only my savior, not only the one who makes my salvation possible through his sacrifice on the cross. But he is walking alongside me in the suffering. That he is walking the path to uh, Calvary alongside me. And he is one like me. And that he knows those feelings. He knows that hardship. And he loves me so deeply. He loves all of us so deeply. That he becomes like one of us, not only in his incarnation, but in his suffering. And that I, my hope as a Christian, I hope is evident in this book. That my hope in him, again, not only in my personal salvation, not only in my freedom from sin, but my hope that God does ultimately win that death ultimately is defeated and that um, you know, especially my hope in the resurrection of the body, that someday death itself will be no more. Our bodies will be restored and life will be lived forever. As a real bodily thing. Um, As I see black men and women being beaten and shot and killed on the nightly news, That I know that that isn't the final story for them or for me or for any of us. That the final story is actually resurrection and that um, we don't have to despair because we know that someday it actually will not be like that. That someday, actually, God will restore all things to Himself. And I hope that that is what comes through in this book, my hope in Christ.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing. I think what you said is very powerful. You know, ultimately, good goodness and, um, you know, the work of Christ that he started will ultimately triumph over all evil. So I think if anything is to be gained, um, that timeless truth that good will always win um, mm-hmm. is an important uh, reminder. Um so my last question I wanna ask, as you mentioned at the beginning in your faith journey, is that um you were approached by Ave Maria Press to develop a book because there was a demand from black voices. And you guys noticed that there was um a lack of black Catholic women um voices in these spaces in the church. So I sense that like feminism is a is an essential aspect of like the advocacy work. So how do you define feminism and implement it in your faith journey?
1: Amen. Um, Yeah, so for me, feminism is simply um, the the belief that women and men are both created in the image and likeness of God and that we have uh, equal dignity before the Lord and that we are all uniquely gifted by the Lord and that our gender should not be used to limit, uh, what we can achieve and who we are. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of nuances to that as we talk about like, what does it, what is gender versus biological sex and all those sorts of things, but that's sort of like the, the basis of it. Um, along with that, recognizing that men and women's bodies are different and so we have different needs and that our needs should be met equitably um again like um (laughs) to use a a sort of like silly example right um my health insurance covers um let's say a, a prescription for viagra right uh, well, I don't need that because I don't have that kind of body, but I would really appreciate, uh, you know, it would cover something, say, for my period, right? Like that—that that is something I need every month as a health item, um, but it's not covered. So like those kinds of things uh, that men and women aren't being treated equitably in the things that we receive. Um, again, not that I, that I need to be equal because I am equal. I could certainly get the same prescription, uh, but that's not something that I need. Uh, and so that that's sort of like my working definition of feminism <laughs> for lack of a, a better way to, of describing it. Um, and in um, it's important to me, especially in my advocacy, because when um, I'm a woman to uh, as Catholics, I think sometimes because we practice male only ordination um, and, you know, like, you know, certainly don't need to get into theological arguments about that. Like, that's the reality. Uh, we can see a uh, uh, sort of patriarchal thinking. Um creeping into the way that we run the church especially or the way that we look at the world as Catholics and so I think it's really important to try to challenge that um, to really make sure that when we say something is for women only or men only we're actually basing that on what truly is for women or men only and not just on like the the ways that that system has crept into um, our thinking, our theology, our way of being as Catholics. Um, along with that too, um, I I see, especially as a light-skinned women, woman, who does have a lot of white privilege in the world, right? Like I can walk around the world um, pretty much with most people not really bothering me because of my light skin. I see so often uh, women who are darker, and how they are treated and how they're doubly oppressed by the system, right? That, that when we talk about the idea of intersectionality, um, that, that, that various parts of their identity uh, intersect in order to oppress them further than I am oppressed. And so um, that's one of the reasons I love um, womanist theology and womanist thinking uh bell hooks is a great example of that um they the famous most famous uh, originator of womanism uh womanism is basically a, a black feminism that says we can't just worry about the female side of things we actually have to practice intersectionality and look at all of the things um that impact women's experience of the world uh like race socioeconomic identities, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And so I think that's an important part of racial justice advocacy as well. If we want to talk about race, we also have to talk about the other system that oppress people of color, um, especially women of color. And um, I was actually just editing an uh, episode of our podcast and Marcia mentioned this and I, it, it struck me today as I looked over the questions, you know, She talked about um, when Trevor Noah signed off on The Daily Show on his last episode, he said, you know, listen to Black women. That was like the advice he wanted to give people as he left. Because, um, you know, thinking about that intersectionality, Black women understand systems of oppression better than anyone because they're impacted by them every day. And so um, not only is it important to our, our civic life, but as Catholics, it's important to really think about feminism, womanism, all of those systems of oppression, because our lived experience, our everyday experience, is where we encounter God. God is not met on our, like, most highest wonderful moments of enlightenment where we get away from everything he actually is there waiting for us in every moment of every day and inviting us into relationship with him in our actual lived experience and so if our lived experience has systems of oppression then that ha- impacts how we are in relationship with god and how we are in relationship with God's people, the church. So we have to pay attention to that as well.
0: Definitely an insightful answer. And I can see how um, the intersectionality is such a vital issue that Catholics who are concerned about social justice and the church's social teaching should be well informed about. So thank you. Uh, So my last little question is just like a fun ending. I like to ask people about their favorite saints yeah. so who was a favorite saint or in your rolodex that you appreciate
1: oh so there's so many um as a as a feminist i love saint edith stein or saint Teresa benedict of the cross uh who was a jewish woman uh born, um, who became a catholic uh, carmelite nun and she was eventually killed in the concentration camps during world war ii but she wrote she was like a an academic in the 20s when women were in the academy and just like wrote all these amazing things about uh the genius of women and how we're needed uh i also really love father augustus Tolton. um so i work in chicago on the south side uh i i work very close to where he lived and worked and where he died um and a, a Bishop Harry, who is my big boss, so to speak, is, is his postulator first cause. So I get to hear like all the updates, which is great. Um, but, you know, um, I'm very close to him, not only as, as the first known Black Catholic priest, but also um, because of his ministry in the South Side of Chicago, which is where I minister. So love him a lot. Um, I also... Have a deep love for Saint Benedict. I was a, a, educated by the Benedictines, <laughs> and so uh, his rule, Lexio Divina, the way that um, he set up monastic life, is very appealing to me. And um, I also love Saint Paul. He and I are like <laughs> kindred spirits. Like he, he kind of has a fiery temper. I do. Uh, he's a wonderful writer, and I aspire to be that influence I mean I'll never be that influential I'm not going to write a book of the bible but <laughs> um, he's pretty great too um and I also really really love um the women doctors of the church in general so Saint Therese of Lisieux um Saint Teresa of Avila Saint Catherine of Siena and Saint Hildegard von Bingen uh just like powerhouse women writing amazing like things for our spiritual lives and they should be celebrated all the time so that was like 20 I'm sorry I love the
0: saints (laughs) no no it's cool you really have like a really great um, communion of saints that you presented here from different eras and different specialties and different um, patrons of different causes so it's really a lot of diversity uh, and a lot of different attributes that make them remarkable holy men and women. So definitely good to hear. Um, so as we close, I just want to appreciate, say I appreciate your time and uh, effort in the church to advocate for social justice and also, um, you know, your intellectual side that you bring as a, a learned person in theology. Um, the book, Fat Luther, Slim Pickens, a Black Catholic, Celebration of faith, tradition, and diversity. Uh, I strongly recommend the audience pick it up as a Lenten read as Lent starts to speak. Um, definitely insightful. Um, look into everyday lives of Black Catholic women and how to understand um, intersectional uh, challenges and issues that they face every day. Um, so definitely appreciate you, Shannon, coming through and. May the listeners keep you in prayer and the work that you do with your podcast and the success of your book and any future books that you write um so you can mimic St. Paul.
1: Okay. Hopefully I'll like maybe get to like the <laughs> 1% of what he did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, for sure. Thanks so much. <laughs> oh so, yeah. So you guys um keep chanting in prayers and the work that she does uh in her diocese in Maine. Uh, you guys listen to the next episode of Saint League Witnesses.